Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Well, good morning, Ben. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. Struggling a little bit with my, my voice, so hopefully uh, I can push through and people can hear me. But, uh, but yeah, feeling well. So how about you? Feeling pretty well and uh, looking forward to crushing you this weekend after recording in our fantasy football uh, championship. Hey, man, don't get too ahead of yourself. I mean, that's all I got to say. Hey, I'm in the championship in both of my leagues, uh, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. I think I'm going to lose the championship in my youth group league, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about taking you down, brother. The last time I think we played head to head, I think I, I think I took that one. So we'll see. Okay. Rematch time. Yeah, you were <clears> one you. of you were one of my only two losses this year. You're saying? Um, no, no. The, the last time I think it was a couple years ago in our league, we squared off in the championship, and I I think I owned you if I remember right. That's so. right. Yeah, it wasn't even close. I remember that now. So I uh, probably had blocked that out of my memory from some of the pain <laughs> and sorrow from it. <laughs> you know. So obviously our <clears throat> listeners know that uh, an extracurricular, one could say, in addition to the jobs that uh, Ben and I do, uh, is uh, being in our fantasy football league that I think we probably maybe put between us an hour combined in a given week. Uh, <laughs> neither of us are that, <laughs> that serious. Uh, but, you know, extracurriculars is something that's especially relevant for parents, especially school-age parents and high school uh, parents of high school-age kids. Uh, so, uh, before we kind of begin and look at this, I, I kind of want to bring up some uh, studies about ec- the role of extracurriculars in education today and raising up uh, children today. So, according to a recent study, the average child and youth spends about 9.6 hours from Monday to s- Friday on outside activities. That's not including Saturday games, which are often estimated to put the average numbers around 13 or 14, depending upon the age range of the kid. Uh, so the, according to the Pew Research Center, 73% of uh, that a parents have a child that participates in sports or athletic activities through their school system. And 54% have children that partake in uh, dance lessons, uh, music lessons, or art in addition to kind of the normal routine of school. Uh, you know, and with that, there comes a great deal of cost. Uh, the... Parents.com reports based on a Forbes study uh, that the average parent uh, spends $739 per child on extracurricular activities. Uh, That's average. Uh, And it can go much, much higher. In fact, according to some estimates, uh, to to, to equip your child to succeed in the extracurricular of golf, uh, in a way that they're able to compete with other other children and youth, it will frequently cost more than five thousand dollars a year per child uh, to enroll and get them actively involved in this extracurricular activity. Wow, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. So now I want to ask you, uh, Ben, uh, do you participate in any? Did you participate in any extracurricular activities in school growing up? 
Uh, I did. Yeah, I mean, I played baseball uh, quite a bit. Uh, I didn't do travel ball and that kind of thing. I, I played for the rec, and then I played for school. Um, played basketball for a while. I did band for a year when I was in elementary school. I think my parents were really glad when the, the trumpet uh, practice was over. Um, I did karate for a little bit. So I did a number of different things. Um, as I got older, it did kind of narrow down for just various reasons, and um, and I, I wasn't doing as much. But, uh, yeah, how about you? Yeah, for me, one of my extracurricular activities, I think, is something that will give me an edge this weekend in our, in our battle. Because uh, I played football in high school uh, for a couple of years, about three years. I didn't play my senior year, uh, largely because of my job. Uh, so I, I was on the newspaper. I was uh, actually at one point appointed editor-in-chief. Uh, of the newspaper at my high school. I was very involved in that and sports journalism and film criticism, oddly. I just really enjoyed those things. Uh, and uh, when I was little, I participated in t-ball uh, like pretty much every child in the 90s did. So uh, <laughs> that was the thing. <laughs> I, I, According to my parents, at least, I enjoyed. Uh, but, you know, uh, I probably didn't participate in as much as some youth did. Uh, I wasn't able to be involved in multiple at the same time, typically, apart from when I was doing newspaper and football. Uh, and that part of the reason why was when I was in high school, I would work many hours and even into last couple of years of high school when I drove, I actually would work the legal amount of hours that I could possibly work while still a high school student. Okay, so yeah, I was I did stuff in the summer, you know, cutting grass and that kind of thing, but uh, I didn't do that. And you know, when I was younger too, I was I was the only child for ten, almost eleven years, and so then there was less less carting around that needed to happen. And then when my sister was young, even for you know until my sister was in the f and brother, I mean, we we didn't they were their halves, and so we didn't grow up in the same house, but. They were in first grade when I graduated from high school, so they hadn't even really had much of a chance to develop, you know, time to um, to get involved in some of those other things. And so, yeah. anyway. But it is amazing, you know, with my activities in that, it's amazing how quick some of those youth money that I gathered ended up going into uh, baseball game tickets, uh, movie tickets, as well as a lot of fast food. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, sure, you weren't investing that well. I was not. I was not. Uh, in fact, maybe it would have been better off in some extracurriculars to get a scholarship that I couldn't spend on going out to get pizza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are extracurriculars good things or bad things, Ben? In light of kind of some of the statistics I brought up, I mean, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, it can be a great thing. It can be a thing that honors the Lord. That can teach a lot. Um, and it can also be something that holds the family captive. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's not a one, one way or the other. I agree with you. I think it's a morally neutral thing, really, ultimately. I think that's kind of the best way to describe it would be morally, a moral neutral. Uh, it, can be, uh, it can be a great opportunity for people to grow. There's some evidence, uh, although I don't know if it's conclusive, that shows that, uh, uh, that children and youth that are involved in extracurriculars do better in school, uh, that they uh, grow in bonding with other students uh, and grow in social uh, skills in that way. Uh, but also, I think it's a very real possibility that it could be an opportunity for your child or youth, especially youth, uh, to be an evangelistic witness to uh, their friends and uh, their classmates. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. also, that being said, I think it can easily consume life and displace the uh, point of school. Uh, both in, in consuming life, I think it can become really something that takes over in so many ways, even in terms of how how much money the parents are spending on gasoline and how often they're in the car uh, as the family split up. But it also, I think, you know, I've known of school systems that have put far more of an emphasis on building uh, that uh, building uh, press boxes and their football stadium than they have on improving academics and uh, <laughs> I think it's a sad reality that sometimes other countries can criticize America for. Well you talk about just the gas prices carting around town. I mean that's when you get into the travel stuff, this you know, you're traveling gas there, but then you got hotels, you got restaurants and admission to these tournaments and I mean you can really rack it up from, from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, why do you think children and youth participate in far more extracurriculars than past generations do? Or do you think that's the case at all? Um, I think to some extent, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have hard data on that. But uh, I think some of it just money um, and, and options um, makes that a, a thing that people do. There's also, you know, this desire for acceptance into colleges, elite colleges, um, having well-rounded resumes and you can't just get good grades. You also have to be involved in all these activities. Um, and you know, the scholarships that can come along with that. And so, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a chicken and egg question at play here. Um, everybody is doing it. And so that just feeds the problem, but that what kind of got everybody going, I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of idols out there that people are chasing, um, things that are, uh, they're not bad in and of themselves, but it maybe have become ultimate and parents are pursuing those kids are pursuing those and things just gotten some priorities out of line. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's good. I think the only I really agree with you on that. The only thing I I would really add is, to me, it seems as if parents today are are less willing to say no, and I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, evidence to show that that parents are less willing to tell tell their child no, especially in something that they enjoy doing. Uh, I I don't know that there's. Uh, that there's proof that in the past uh, children and youth didn't want to participate participate in as many extracurriculars, uh, but I'm sure you know I'm I'm sure in my past even I was told no about certain activities uh, from my parents, and if that was the case, I'm deeply grateful that was the case. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I do want to ask you then, Ben, uh, that and this might seem unrelated related at first to our listeners, but we're going to get into it. Uh, what are idols? Well, I mean, I guess just strictly speaking, it could be little statues that people worship. Of a, It's a visible res- representation of a god, um, or maybe in their case, they think it's actually a god and it's just a representation. Um, but it can just be anything that you're putting your hope in. Um, you're worshiping it. You're uh, putting your emotional energy into it. You're thinking it's going to save you somehow and provide comfort and rest and all these kind of things. And so um, – extracurriculars can certainly become an idol. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so a, a definition of idolatry that I found uh, from John Piper, I think that's really good. I actually heard heard this, uh, I think, years ago. Uh, he said that uh, idols, uh, for an idol, he was asked, and then asked, asked Pastor John, 
uh, little video, and he said, uh, "It is the thing that it is the thing loved or the person loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, enjoyed more than God. It could be a girlfriend, it could be good grades, it could be the approval of other people, it could be success in business, it could be sexual stimulation, it could be a hobby or a musical group that you are following, or a sport you are, or your immaculate yard." I was looking for some yard stuff the other day, and I clicked on a video ad for a yard service. And three people came on, and all of them made the point that this yard service enabled them to bring, uh, to brag that they had the best yard in the neighborhood. I thought, what a motivation. I want to be number one in my green grass. Uh, so that <laughs> could be an idol. Or, you could or your own looks could be an idol. It could be anything. So Yeah, uh well-noted theologian of the past said that the uh, human heart is an idol-making factory. So Yes, absolutely. So uh, Now, how do uh, good things, like I think we've established, extracurriculars can be good things. Uh, at, at worst, they're neutral, but I think often they're good. Uh, how do good things like extracurriculars become idols? I think it's getting our loves misordered. Um, it's taking something that's good and making it ultimate. And again, it can become a, it can be a bad thing, but often it's a good thing that becomes best, or we view it as best and ultimate. And so we're we're spending our time daydreaming about it, and, and our using our financial resources and our time, all this, and um, it's just elevating something to a place that it really can't hold. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I put down. I think. A great way to see how these can become idols is when we value them to the neglect of our relationship with God. Uh, mm. And I think anything yep. in that becomes idols. Again, it's not just uh, worshiping a Babylonian god. It's not being a Wiccan, mainly. Uh, <clears throat> that can be idolatry for sure. Uh, but also when we find who we are in them, when we find our identity in something other than God, we find uh, how we understand ourselves and answer the question of who am I in anything other than who we are in Christ. I think that is an idol. That's that's really well said. Um, now, how can extracurriculars become spiritual hindrances for both children and parents? Well, I think kids can become focused on that thing. They can see it as ultimate. Um, and it can take time away from them considering their own soul, from ministering, serving others, uh, and just being invested in the life of, of a church. I mean, assuming this is a, their child's a part of a family um, that is part of a church. Um, and for parents, and you talked about not wanting to say no to the kids, going to be wanting to make the kids happy, and they've invested they have a higher level of investment of money in this. And so they're like, well, if, if I'm going to spend all this money, then, you know, my kid better succeed at this. Like I, I want to return on my investment. And, um, and so then they're putting more emotional energy and time to these kind of things, to the neglect of their soul, to the neglect of the things of the Lord. Um, and so, yeah, it can just be a vicious cycle. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think often it becomes a major hindrance in when it allows people to miss church or even family worship times. 
Uh, I mean, I think majorly church, and it's common with these kind of extracurriculars that they get in the way of church. They're creeping into Sunday. I think and when we were children, and even more so when our parents were children, uh, there was respect for Sunday as being uh, at least a family time, probably more of a family time than a spiritual time. Uh, but there was not an encroaching mm-hmm. onto Sunday. But, you know, I know many that even spiritual leaders in churches that have to choose between whether or not to allow their child to participate in their sport or their event to its fullest or going to church on Sunday. Um, so I think often it becomes a hindrance by forcing them to miss church. It's not really forcing them. They're making a decision. Or even, uh, you know, have force them to miss time of family worship, studying the word together because they're just too busy and because they don't have time together ever as a family altogether. Um, you know, I think it also can be a hindrance to our children and youth. Uh, as, you know, I've known of youth that have uh, told me, you know, I don't have time to study the Bible myself. I don't have time for personal devotions uh, that Pastor Tony uh, could, how, how could you expect me to be studying the Bible on my own? I've got all of these activities. I've got all these sports, all these extra events, and ultimately it's really hurting them rather than giving them any long-term help in that way. Um I think even time, uh, even when time is available, uh, they even when we have time available to go to church and stuff like that, and there's some free time, the major allotment of extracurriculars versus sometimes more spiritually focused things can tend to portray a priority of uh, the extracurricular over that, which can be sometimes more important. Uh, though the extracurricular can certainly be used to glorify the Lord. Uh, but lastly, I'd say, and a major thing that has actually uh, shown itself in the secular world, as uh, oftentimes youth and children today have anxiety issues that they've never had before, and uh, they feel they feel stressed out and they feel anxious about things, and sometimes that's due to overcommitment to extracurriculars and feeling that they have to keep up and they have to be able to measure up uh, to their peers uh, in amount of extracurriculars and how well they do in extracurriculars. Uh, so I think there's a lot of hindrance in that kind of thing. Well, there's a lot there. That's, that's good. Now, what impact does this have on parental discipleship? I think it tends, doesn't have to, but it tends to get put aside. Um, and especially, like you, you've talked about this, but if, if it means missing church regularly, then it ends up modeling to the kids that, well, this this thing that we're going after is, is really more important. Um, and God doesn't really mind. It's okay. You know, we're, we'll do this for a while and then uh, we'll, we'll come back to church. Um, and so, no, there are some families that maybe if they're away at some sort of tournament or whatever, um, or just regular games on when the church is gathering, uh, on particularly on Sunday, I, I, you know, there's no explicit teaching in scripture that we're supposed to gather midweek. Probably a lot of churches mm-hmm. still do that. Um, and probably a lot of people listening, their churches do, but, um, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us we have to do that. So, um, but if you're regularly missing when the whole church is gathering, um, it just sets it sets up problems, and then probably parents are not filling in those gaps. But even if they were, they probably they shouldn't. Um, I mean, Scripture tells us to regularly assemble um, 
for the purpose of encouraging. It's not just to get fed a sermon, though that's part of it. But I mean, it talks about gathering together to push each other on to love and good deeds. So um, we talked about that. I think the episode just got put up um, about the church. And yeah. so it's not just a religious drive through for us. Yeah. Well, what do you... Yeah. So I think it can also, in addition to that, uh, give the message that faith is just one of the buffet choices in life. And involvement in Christianity is just, I mean, just like you can choose volleyball, you can choose baseball, you can choose to give more time to uh, that to this activity versus the other one. Uh, it's, I mean, the Christian life is just a buffet choice, and you choose to have a little bit of this on your plate and then maybe a lot more of that other thing. Uh, but rather than understanding the faith as something that encompasses all and changes how we approach every hour of our day. Uh, but I think even more than that, uh, I think... This communicates, over-elevating this communicates that children and you should see these kind of involvements as their identity. And I think that's a huge issue. And, you know, so I'm going to be, uh, to try to be nice and not to pick on anybody, I'm going to talk about uh, dressage involvement. So dressage is the most ridiculous sport that's ever come into existence. And if you uh, participate in dressage, you're welcome to no longer listen to our podcast. I pick on <laughs> it. But no, just kidding. Uh, but say uh, a youth participates in dressage. I can so often uh, see a teenager or a child finding their identity in that, that, you know, I'm a dressage player, that uh, I'm a dressage player, and who I am is this dressage player that relates mainly to their dressage buddies. Uh, I don't know that that's as much going to happen as other sports, uh, unfortunately, because dressage is ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, that kind of perspective that sees themselves as first and foremost, who am I? What do I do as a, uh, I'm a dressage player? Um, and, uh, and I think even in that seeing their faith is less essential to who they are and how they relate to people than their dressage involvement. But I think in a less ridiculous way, if you fill in the blank with any other activity or sports, I'm sure parents and, uh, workers and children youth ministry can understand exactly the problem that I'm talking about. I think that's a good point about just building, you're spending all this time and energy on it and it. Um, it does pass on. This is how you should define yourself. And I learned something new. I'd never even heard of dressage. I had to look it up. Like, what is this? And if it was some sort of like, you know, Harry Potter made up, was that Quidditch or something? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that game is. I, I didn't time. read Harry Potter as a kid. Not because I thought it was devilry. I just didn't really, wasn't interested. But. Yeah. Mitt Romney uh, famously owned a dressage horse that was in the Olympics. Oh, that's right. It's okay. in the Olympics. Right. That's right. <laughs> what over-elevated desires do you think lead to over-elevation of extracurriculars? Well, definitely material success, um, popularity, acceptance. And I think that's on the part of both the kids and the parents. I mean, no parent wants their kid to be you know, rejected and ridiculed. Um, it's a good thing to want your child to be accepted. But at what cost, you got to ask? Um, and so parents wanting their kid to get a great job, making great money, um, those kinds of things, I think that can lead to then the parent even pushing towards some of those kind of things or being willing to kind of go with the flow on that and not say, no, we're not going to do that. That's too much. Um, I know 
there's a podcast that I listen to some found helpful D six. They, in their old intro, you know, they, they changed it up, but they had a quote, uh, David Platt speaking at some conference and he said, you know, our goal in parenting is not for our kids to get a great education as, as great as a thing as that is. Um, but, or that they get a great job making great money, uh, and that they go on great dates and find a great spouse and live in a great house and have great kids and just repeat the cycle. Our goal is that they love a great God and and so often though parents within the church too they have goals that are shaped more by the world and loves that are shaped more by the world around them and so when you have those goals then those desires that again they're not bad in of themselves um they can lead to that over elevation like you're talking about yeah that's i think that's exactly right that's really good uh, yeah, and I, I don't think I have really much to add to. I think that's really excellent response. But I think over elevated desires that are sometimes good desires are are just really where idolatry comes from. Uh, it's when we have a right desire, sometimes a good one, uh, and we elevate it to a point uh, where we be, it becomes a need, where it becomes something that we worship at, uh, and oftentimes extracurriculars can be that. Uh, how do churches sometimes just add to the extracurricular busyness, Ben? Well, having all sorts of activities to keep kids, and I think especially with you know the segment that you're working with, with youth, students, teenagers, whatever, it, it can be even bigger there because they're more mobile. They want to go hang out with their friends, this kind of thing. And so just to keep them busy, um, and even if it's a constant service project, and that's good. Um, but just filling up a family's calendar with these extra things to go to um, just so that we can sort of justify that we're doing something. Yeah, I think you're very much right. Um, Yeah, I think that is so to the point of it. I think there are many churches that kind of act like uh, with extracurriculars and over-involvement of youth and children. Well, if you can't beat them, join them just add to the overall mm-hmm. busyness and the craziness like we've talked about in a different podcast but uh, I mean and I've known of a uh, of a church that had uh, their own Wednesday night stuff for, for at night had uh, multiple sports leagues that they expected kids to participate in and then ha- had a um, uh, something like scouts uh, that further that they wanted to encourage their children and youth to participate in and I forgot what other else I think they had some kind of like debate club or something like that that they really wanted to push uh, that to their children and youth to be in. And I actually think maybe that church is starting to create its own idols rather than helping families fight idols in those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now, um, how can churches respond to this uh, both seriously and graciously? I think churches can do that in a number of ways, and it can come from those um, in leadership, um, but also just the one anothering of the church, raising good questions of other people. And so, that, I mean, that can come across in sermon application. Um, I mean, that's in some ways going to be some of the most effective when the whole church is hearing it, and they're hearing it from the primary preacher, uh, sort of pushing against some of those cultural idols and places we draw our identity from and, and kids are drawing their identity from. Um, and, you know, but I think it's got to go beyond that. I think you could have a parent forum or some, some sort of thing where you get parents together and you just address the topic head on. You've got to be careful and, you know, 
there is issues of Christian liberty here, um, but at the same time, there, there's there's issues of wisdom, and um, you can't establish this this hard and fast line. But at the same time, you can see people's tendencies and the trajectory, and so um, just addressing that in personal conversations, um, but also you know you ask about churches adding to or talking about them adding to the busyness and sort of if we can't beat them, join them. Um, don't join them intentionally don't just stock the calendar full of stuff just to have it on there. Um, be try to be strategic about the things that you do have on the calendar and be willing to cut things out. Um, so I know what, what are your thoughts? I think those are all really excellent inputs and I don't know that I have a ton to add to that in terms of how we can deal with it uh, seriously and promote that good vision. Uh, but one thing I do want to kind of state that you talked about a little bit earlier uh, is that uh, I, I do want to say bluntly, no matter how we approach this, uh, missing youth group, missing Awana, missing whatever midweek or Sunday night activity the church has in addition to the normal Sunday services uh, is in uh, for football practice, for dance class, for involvement in the pl- in the school play, is in no way, shape, or form a sin. And I think any church leaders that try to communicate that it is sin, uh, that it's inherently wrong, are going far beyond what Scripture says. That are going far beyond, uh, I think, God's will in that, and can be dangerous in that sense. There's a lot of benefits from things like Awana. There's a, we. I love the idea of going to youth group. I think there's a lot of benefits in that kind of thing, uh, but it's nowhere scripturally mandated. And uh, if you know your, your your child or youth is getting spiritually poured into at home, uh, that and at church on Sundays. Uh, that can be enough as long as we are encouraging them in the Lord and as long as we're seeing that faith as part of their active everyday life. But, you know, if your child, if you think that uh, involvement in those kind of things is the neglect of involvement in church, maybe that's a decision your family needs to make. Uh, But again, we need to be gracious and we need to never uh, make parents the enemy or children and youth the enemy if they don't come out on Wednesday nights. Or if they don't come out Sunday night or Tuesday morning, if you have something Tuesday morning, I don't know. <laughs> That's right, right. Um, the now, should we just pull our kids out of everything and live out in the woods? <laughs> Maybe. Um, pull a Ron Swanson. <laughs> I think that we need wisdom to live well in God's world, um, as His people in whatever time and place that He's He's put us here, um, and we need our 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 lives and our loves aligned properly. So no, you can't just withdraw. And I mean, Acts 17, Paul tells us to a bunch of pagans, you know, that God is appointed when people would live and where. And so he hasn't given us who are, you know, alive, me and you having this conversation, people listening and our, our, the people we know, um, to live back before smartphones existed and before there was, you know, club soccer and, and all these, you know, and dressage, um, you know, but in his wisdom and his goodness, he's put us in this time and space, and so we need, he intends for us to live within that framework. Um, but just because it's out there, you know, you don't have to go after it. I mean, this is this is not directly related, but I know um, people, like as far as what movies are out there and things like that, people will talk about, you know, well, that's it's not that bad or it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, uh, it's better than this or that. And there's almost this assumption that's like, well, we have to watch something. Uh-huh. So we'll just pick this. It's like, what, what makes you think that you have to go 
to the theater or that you have to do this or that. I mean, like there's not, it's not a, a one way, you know, it's just creating a false dilemma. Like there's lots of other things you could do. Um, but just, just, you know, uh, so many people are doing those kinds of things. We just, sometimes we don't challenge our own thinking or why we're doing what we're doing. And it's just like, well, you know, in churches, well, we've always done it that way, you know? So, yeah, that's good. Um, you know, so I, I think we have no right on the podcast. Uh, church leaders have no right to make uh, definitive rules where scripture doesn't. I think we can speak and, and give wisdom. And this is one area where I think uh, certain wisdom is involved. I really uh, enjoy Jen Wilkins' ministry. Uh, she's a kind of a woman's ministry leader. Uh, she's at the Village Church in Texas. Uh, really excellent resources. I really encourage our listeners to check her out, men or women. Uh, and uh, she's talked about uh, this, about involvement in extracurriculars. And she said that uh, for her family, they decided after sitting down and thinking through uh, how they can be faithful to the Lord, it was that they uh, they only allowed their uh, children and their youth uh, to be involved in one extracurricular activity per season, and they always took the winter season off. Uh, and uh, and so you know they were they missed out on some things it, because the choice was it was one or none, uh, and so their youth didn't get partake in some stuff that other youth did, uh, but they were able to really nurture them in the Lord in ways that maybe some other parents could not. Uh, uh, and I think have some kind of rule like that for your family. Maybe it's not one or none. Maybe it's not take the winter off. Uh, but you need to have some thoughtful uh, discretion with this kind of thing. Rather than just impulsively reacting to what children and youth want to do, instead make a rule. Make a decision about how you're going to approach it before it comes up. And I think maybe even for parents of young children, think about it now and many, many years before uh, the decisions about whether or not to enroll uh, Johnny in debate club and soccer and football and uh, dressage comes up. Don't pick dressage, but you know. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, now, is intentionally limiting these opportunities worth the inevitable loss in scholarship and popularity? Simply put, yes. Um, now, it's easier for me to say that as the parent of a seven-year-old um, than it is a seventeen-year-old or you know a kid that's in middle school. Um, we are intentionally though at this point in life trying not to just have all these kinds of lessons and activities. And, you know, we, we have gotten into sports the last two years, but we've had, thankfully we, we've had one child old enough to participate. And so she did one thing and even that was busy for us. I mean, we've got three little kids, mm -hmm. you know, seven and under and, um, having a practice in a game. I mean, it was busy. Um, and we'll see as we continue. But yeah, it's, uh, I think it is worth it. And the thing is too, that I would challenge, I guess a little bit, the scholarship thing. I don't think it's inevitable. Um, there are a very limited number of college scholarships for athletics in particular, but other things too. Um, and so the number of high school athletes that make it into college is very small and, um, of any kind, not, we're not just talking about like the, the big, the big boys, um, yeah. just even very small schools. And so um, there's a lot of scholarship money that's out there. Um, and the thing is, too, some of the money that gets spent on 
all the the travel and the lessons and these kind of things you put that in in different investment vehicles uh, you know your return <laughs> may be better in the end yeah i think and it's not just about the practical considerations there in the finances i mean there's there's spiritual things to consider your child's soul their soul will live forever um their career as a debater or a basketball player or you know dressage whatever <laughs> i don't know what you call a person um that's not going to last forever i think we call the person as someone who made a poor choice <laughs> uh, sorry any, to our dressage loving listeners i know we probably have a big base of dressage loving listeners um yeah if, so. if mitt romney's listening then yeah i know I'm, he's probably crying a little bit uh <laughs> so yeah i think you're so spot on and legitimately financially it's not worth the price and i think a lot of parents and thinking about it, they just don't think about all the costs they don't even contemplate on it um I knew a guy that was a big baseball guy and raised his children to really enjoy baseball. Uh, and uh, and he uh, had one of his uh, he had one of his uh, senior hires graduate high school and got got a full ride baseball scholarship. Uh, and you know I was talking to him and he was very excited about it. Uh, but uh, he said realistically, uh, for me as for any parent that expects their children to be able to succeed in baseball and puts the costs involved to them to do that. The cost that I paid over since my child was young on baseball expenses, on travel leagues, on all the equipment I've had to buy since they were young has actually dwarfed even the cost of, of the full ride scholarship over time. Uh, and I think that is that is nuts. You know? <laughs> and so I don't know that there's ever, it's ever a smart really decision in that sense financially uh but even beyond that uh, uh but you know it will cost you to some degree i think undoubtedly a child that participates in more extracurricular activities is going to have more friends might be more popular and things like that but i think part of the point of the christian faith is that it's going to cost you something and if we have a christian faith where it doesn't cost you anything where it doesn't mean a missing out on anything ever i don't know that that's the christian faith that the bible teaches uh, yeah, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Um, he said, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I mean, we in the West, it's different for us. But again, this is where God has placed us. Um, but you're, you're right on that, that it is going to cost us something. Now, how can a parent explain why their child can't sign up for the basketball team, chess team, and 4-H club without uh, having them volunteers and uh, them just change their mind and just sign them up the next day? <laughs> um, I think it's it's time for a lesson on love. And hopefully you've been doing this before this. But if not, I mean, you can repent and say, listen, we've given you wrong expectations. Um, it's not my job to make sure that you're happy and satisfied all the time emotionally. Like I can't even do that. You can't even do it for yourself. I sure can't do it for you. Um, my job is to pass on the Lord's ways and to teach you the most important things and try to teach you what to love, uh, who to love. And I, I can't do that if we just give you everything that your heart demands. Um, that's not love. And so, and, and just talking, you know, we're a family trying to follow the Lord. And so that means that, um, you know, there's, opportunity cost uh, involved and you know if we say yes to this that means we got to say no to some other things and we got to weigh those things what's most what has God told us is most important to him and I don't think that means that all you do as a family is you know sit around and memorize 
um, Leviticus and minister as a family, and then you never do anything else. Um, but at the same time, it you know we're not called to to only pursue the pleasures of the world or things that are good but not ultimate, and then go well you know but we we prayed the prayer right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of wisdom there. You, we can't, nobody can make hard, like you said, you can't tell people they're in sin for not coming to your Wednesday night program at church. I really enjoy some works of Joel Beakey. And I encourage readers to check out some of Joel Beakey's work. Uh, and he's very passionate, extreme at some points, but I think really, really solid and like a modern day Puritan. And I read a book of his on discipling his kids, and it was related even to family worship. And he uh, kind of talked about uh, how when he, that his youth, when he had teenagers, uh, multiple of his teenagers wanted to be involved in extracurricular activities that would have uh, gotten in the way of their family time in worship, of their family time, uh, even at church to some degree. And uh, he had explained them, you know, we can't do that. Sometimes he allows certain activities, but a lot of times he had explained that they can't do that. And his, in his youth, he was really glad because his youth responded pretty well. I kind of explained, it's not what I did in the moment. It's that for many, many years, him and his wife were communicating a vision uh, of what's the values of the family uh, to their children. And whether they agreed with him or not, it was very clear to the ch- their children and to their teenagers that uh, our family our family prioritizes discipleship together over involvement and in activities. And, uh, and that's always going to be the case. And it kind of fell back on that. And, you know, and I'm sure that I'm sure in any family, there's going to be some tears and some upset. Uh, and maybe you haven't spent decades explaining what we're about as a family in the way that Joel Beakey has. I'm sure I haven't nearly as much as Joel Beakey and his wife have. Um, but I think even in that, when they do get mad, realize even if they are mad, it likely won't last. Uh, and if it, even if it does last, sometimes the best decisions are the hardest decisions to make. Uh, but I think most most teenagers that don't get to participate in dressage when they wanted to in 40 years will not be upset about that. I think most, yeah. I mean, there's some that they're going to hang on to it. That's still what they love, but... Um, and just not getting what they want. But I, I think that's that's good insight from uh, Beaky. Now to close out, how does uh, knowing Jesus help us fight these battles with idolatry and extracurriculars or really anything? I think it's tasting and seeing that he is good, um, coming to, to genuinely know him and realize that he's better than all those other things. Those other things are good. They're, they're blessings to be received with thanksgiving, um, but they're not to be made ultimate. Only only he can satisfy us ultimately. And so uh, I think it's just that daily growing in grace, leaning into him and praying that um, he would enable us to know him better, to see him more clearly as he really is, and so that we go, you know what, I, I would like to do this. Or our kids go, yeah, I would like to do this, but you know what? Jesus is better, and and I'm glad that my family is, you know, is going, uh, not just going, giving me everything I want. Now they may not, they're not going to say that probably in the moment. Like, thanks for your wisdom, mom and dad. I <clears throat> really appreciate that. Um, but I think you know, for parents having the courage to do that, and and then praying that that would take root in their kids' heart as well. 
Well, I think that is uh, really excellent words to end on today. Uh, so it's been good having this discussion with you, though, Ben. Uh, and I think this is an important issue. I think this is deeply, deeply relevant to almost all parents, as we've seen in those statistics. And as well as I think children and youth ministry workers, and I hope this is an encouragement to you if you listen to it. And uh, I hope you enjoy, you enjoy your new year, even though we're recording it uh, while it's still 2018, and maybe the rapture occurs before it's posted. <laughs> yep. Thanks for listening. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.